Hello from Yerushalayim. It's Binyamin Rose and myself, Gadali Gutentag, with Mishpachaz Homefront, covering Israel's biggest conflict in a generation. Hello, Binyamin. Hello, Gadalia. I understand there's more news coming out on the hostage front today. Yes, yeah, so I just preface that by saying that whilst the news that's emerging is very much of, we see victory pictures repeatedly of, of Israeli military treatments in the northern Gaza Strip. One that particularly struck, took my interest, was a picture of probably the Golani Brigade or something lined up outside the Gaza courthouse or justice ministry, whatever it is over there. Or lack of justice ministry. Injustice ministry. But I mean, it was like kind of the lineup looked like, you know, I mean, a rival alternative of a military nature. So whilst that is happening, there's serious details of the hostage release, which is being reported. And a number of, again, the outlines are very broad, but what we're seeing is numbers of hostages being released, crucially, that mothers and children together, 50 to 70 of them, in exchange for a similar number of Palestinian terrorist, you know, young terrorist minors in Israeli jails, which is an interesting detail why that should be such a strong card to them to play. But anyway, I think a couple of very important things. One of, one of the demands that's being reported from Hamas is that they're saying that during the resultant ceasefire, which they want of an indeterminate number of days, they're demanding that Israel stop drone overflights of Gaza. Now, drone overflights of Gaza being the eyes and ears of the ground forces operating below, and that's a very serious thing. I find it very hard to believe that Israel is going to agree so easily to be blinded, as it were, whilst the terrorists get to move around the rockets and whatever it is in the open. But that is one of the reports. Gedalia, my feeling is that if these reports are true, and again, I want to uh, come up with a disclaimer that Prime Minister Netanyahu mentions all the time that only accept uh, information from official Israeli sources, of course, He's biased in that regard. He wants everyone, including the news media, uh, to rely on Israel for their information. So I understand that's in his interest to do so. But if these reports are true, and we're hearing more of them from uh, authoritative sources like the Wall Street Journal, it's extremely problematic. Again, we want to get the hostages out. We want to get them out as quickly as possible, especially the younger ones and the ones who are at risk. We also have to weigh that against what that's going to do to the overall war effort. Again, I'm happy I'm not one of the people who has to make these decisions, but I have to reiterate what I said in an earlier podcast that because of popular movements for the release of hostages, whether it's the Gilad Shalit case or whether it's the four mothers in Lebanon, that's why we're in the mess that we're in today. And we have to be very, very careful that if we're going to prioritize the hostage rescue, that it doesn't come at the expense of our overall strategic goals, because for the 50, 70 people that you saved today, you could be putting tens of thousands or more at risk in the future. Again, I'm happy I'm not the one who has to make these decisions and I'm not privy to all the information that they have when they make those decisions, obviously. But they have to be very, very careful. You know, I, mean, I just want to just discuss some of the what's happening there in the background, as we can see from the sidelines. But I think with a bit of a clear-headed analysis, you can see the dynamics at play. I think there are two dynamics of what we see. Again, we have these reports going on for weeks and then deals taking shape and being reported and not and receding. What I think, though, is that two things to happen is two dynamics need to happen. One on Israel side, one on Hamas. The one on Israel side is a decision to prioritize, or as you say, endanger the fighting, the military goals, the release of hostages and captives. It would seem to me and indicate that Israel has taken that decision. That bridge has been crossed in the sense that it seems to be only a case of the conditions and it's a question of when, not if. So that decision to at some point prioritize seems to be crossed. On the other side, the same dynamic is reversed from Hamas. 
Hamas, their greatest card that they hold here is others hostages, unprecedented card. And the fact that they are even talking through Qatar, if they're to be believed, about releasing 50 to 70 of those cards, let's call the hostages that, shows that th that is a serious decision that may very well show that Hamas is under more pressure than we think, or at least some major pressure, which we would indicate from the pictures of the destruction and their fleeing to the south. I'm very cynical, I'm sorry to say. I think that they're doing this to take pressure off themselves, to make them look a little bit like they're the good guys. Not that they can, but this would help. And they knew exactly what they were doing when they took these prisoners to begin with. And they know that they would play on the hearts of the Israeli citizenry. And they knew that it would be used as a card against us. And uh, to me, they're just trying to buy time so that whatever ceasefire that we're talking about, whether it's three days or five days while hostages are being released and we're not allowed to take any offensive action against Hamas, just gives them time to resuscitate themselves. And I think that this also is playing out at Shifa Hospital as well. I just want to bring this up as well. Because Israel's in a tremendous bind because it's gone out in front of the entire world. And it's said that Hamas has their command headquarters underneath Shifa Hospital. Up to now, now Israel doesn't control all of Shifa Hospital at this point, the IDF. But up until now, they've shown one tunnel. And it looks like it's a serious tunnel with a big door blocking part of the way with a little hole that... They say that Hamas can shoot out of, but uh, no one else can shoot into. And Israel rightly is being very careful about going down there or trying to break into it because it could be booby trap. But this is uh, what we're up against right now, because on all of the international news networks, they're criticizing Israel and they're saying, well, we haven't seen too much yet. You know, you insist that this is Hamas's command headquarters, but prove it. And Israel has to prove it. But on the other hand, we can't put our soldiers at risk to prove it. We also don't know what Hamas might have done to uh, hide evidence of this underground network or to fill things up so that the tunnels are hard to find. And on the other hand, we also have to keep in mind that there were several Israeli intelligence failures before the war broke out. And that's one of the reasons also why we're in the predicament that we're in and this uh, terrible massacre happened. Is this possibly another Israeli intelligence failure? Could it be that they overstated their case and perhaps there isn't as much going on underneath Chief as we thought? And if so, that rips away a big uh, raison d'etre for Israel having gone in and invaded a hospital during wartime. This is a very serious problem. And again, Israel can't jeopardize the soldiers and go too fast, but uh, they've got to work faster to prove their case. But you know what? I want to take up on that point tonight. I think that this is the point at which sometimes, let's call it Hasbara, the effort to get Israel's case out into the world, needs to be nimble and needs to learn to pivot. And I think a pivot is due over here, because as you say, that there's a void, which is, while Israel is being very cautious about sending down its, you know, robotic dogs, and that's clearly what it is. If you see some of those wobbly videos and the way that the things turn around, the IDF spokesman talks about that, says that they sent down an object right? But this is clearly something like that. You know, you see one of those Boston Dynamics robo-dogs that kind of runs along and looks like a headless, it looks like a dog without a head and then where the neck is, there's a camera, right? It's something to that effect, whatever device they have. So they're being cautious. There's no reason soldiers should die just because in the New York Times newsroom, they've decided that Israel has not provided enough information. But I think therefore it demands back to basic, back to principles. 
Israel has played a part, and obviously the news media has played an even bigger part, in stoking this narrative that is all around the Shifa. This is not the justification for this war, Binyamin. Surely we should be given as much credit as U.S. Central Command when it attacks a hospital in Afghanistan in 2015. It was a mistake. 42 soldiers died. 42 civilians died. And you go into medical establishments for which it's clear that you're being fired from. It's clear that they could be a base because that's what these people are using. And that ultimately is what this war is about, that we have to get to grips with Hamas. We have to get our safety back. And there's no way of doing it without going through Gaza. And that is the rationale for the war. Not specifically whether there were 10 grenades or a thousand grenades in the basement of Shiva Hospital. That's what it occurs to me. But Binyam, there's one more thing I'd like to add, which is the case of one more condition that the Hamas seems to be attaching, and not so much a condition as messaging. They're trying to say, we don't know all the captives are, and therefore we cannot be expected to bring all of them up in a hostage deal. And on the one hand, this is ridiculous. You know, you're in control. You are the sovereign in Gaza. You're in control. You, aren't. you have to take responsibility for what goes on. But it seems to me that I would absolutely buy into that narrative. We know that there was a report last week that 20% of the hostages are in quote-unquote private hands in Gaza. We know that Gaza, like Palestinian society in general, is tribal. We know that there are many different sub factions over there. And we know that there is a deeply bloodthirsty population there, evidence of which was clearly on display in you know, those videos of civilians looting and dragging off captives and even kids getting in on the action on October the 7th. The important thing is to understand that this media narrative that you have out there, that Gaza is this innocent citizenry in which there's been a top-down imposition of Hamas over since the mid-2000s, is false. We know that's not how things operate over there. I can well believe that individuals have taken into their hands to have a pet Israeli, as it were, hanging around and to get in on the action as well. I can well believe, therefore, it's an indictment of Gaza society and also the news media, which is intent on airbrushing society that that is all too believable about the situation, that, that indeed Hamas does not know, does not have total control over what's happened. But you know, and I think that you wanted to wish we have for a good news for the day. We have a bit of action in the European Union leadership, and you wanted to wish someone a nice retirement. So over to you. I would call it a positive piece of news. It might be subtle, but I think in the long run, it'll end up being important. There's a fellow by the name of Jean Asselborn who is from Luxembourg. He's been the foreign minister in Luxembourg since 2004. And today he announced his retirement from politics. He's leaving his post. So this is not a gentleman that I'm very familiar with, but there is an article in Ynet by Itamar Eisner, who's a top political analyst, who called Hasselborn probably the most anti-Israeli politician in the European Union. Who you've never heard of. I haven't really paid much attention. You don't think of Luxembourg as a very big and important country, even though it's probably based on per capita income, one of the richest countries in the world. But Asselborn, back in 2011, he said, you can't talk to the Israel government because they're autistic, in his words. He has constantly talked about the need for a Palestinian state. He was against the Abraham Accords. And the article in Ynet points out that Israel understands that he was the driving force behind the majority of the EU's anti-Israel motions and was equally vigorous about pushing for comparable measures of the United Nations. So when you have someone like this who's stepping down from his post, I'd say that's one less enemy of Israel that we have to contend with. Binyamin, I think at this point, I'm going to join you in our wishes that he should have a nice retirement sunning himself in Monaco or Luxembourg, wherever they have a beach or something. And may we see more retirements like that. I wish you and listeners all a good day. See you tomorrow.